You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. We have a game to talk about. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Wolf, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And 51 to 7 Michigan in week one over Colorado State. My mom's alma mater. I don't know if you got a chance to see that video I posted on my personal YouTube of me interviewing my mom, who went to uh, Colorado State but knows nothing about football. That was a fun one. Um, anyway, uh, it was a game. And we finally get to talk about what we saw. And uh, first, I just have to say it, it's it's funny the difference between me doing the drip, formerly known as the morning drip, which I just recorded an episode. It's just it's so much like, even though I've I've had a couple episodes where it's just like really fun, it's so much more formal than this. It's just like oh wow, here I just feel relaxed. Like I've been talking to you guys for years, your friends. The drip feels a little bit more like I don't know you. Please don't hurt me. But uh, I want, obviously, let's get into the game. And I also want to discuss, and we'll do that near the end, why I'm not impressed at all with Ohio State. A lot of people out there kind of rewriting history and just gushing over the Buckeyes. I watched that game, not feeling it the same way as they are. Uh, But uh, let's get into Michigan. Let's spend uh, the first segment talking about what was good. And a lot of it was. A lot of it was really, really good. Uh, you had uh, various things, particularly the defense was pretty much incredible. Um, I want to see if I can pull up the stats real quick. They didn't have them up for the longest time, but I think they do now. Um, I Because there was just, I want to see exactly what drives, because it was like the first drive and the last drive. If memory serves, uh, I did rewatch the game yesterday and it kind of reinforced that feeling. But it was like the first drive and the last drive, really, that Colorado State had that gave them the bulk of their yards. So it's it's otherwise Michigan completely shut them down. That's exactly what you wanted to see this entire time, right? And this is kind of what I expected. It was even better than what I expected. And, you know, we got to see 84 Michigan players in this game. Just insane. So, all right, so they had only one, two drives got over 30 yards total. So the first drive, it felt like they really moved the ball, but they had seven plays for 27 yards. They had another one, second or third to last drive, was seven plays for 33 yards. The, the, their touchdown drive was nine plays for 75 yards. Otherwise, we're looking at two yards, 23 yards, 7, 6, 22, 1, 21, 33, 75, 14. Incredible. So you take out, I mean, they got 200 and something yards in this game. Not not much. I wish this was a little bit easier for me to see here. <laughs> Just like what they got here. Um, they, they, their total yards accumulated was 219. And you take out that last drive, they're sitting at like 140 yards total on the game. And then suddenly, they just got to be so much better. Uh, wait, I have that backwards, but 
Um, the, the, the Michigan, that, that first drive was really, what was, was like, kind of like, okay, they're able to move the ball. And then Michigan's defense kind of just settled in when they finally got the touchdown, they were playing it up against guys who were playing their first ever college football. That's very impressive. I think the most impressive thing, though, is just obviously the pass rush. The pass rush was just insane. Seven sacks, and then you have 11 tackles for loss, which isn't just the pass rush. That's run game as well. But, I mean, just so many different players involved. That's just what makes it that much more insane. <laughs> just, this is what we had hoped for. This is what, like, I wouldn't, don't want to say it's what we expected. I, if you were to ask me how many sacks in this game, I was going to say, like, four, not seven. And then, as Jim Harbaugh pointed out after the game, like you, you also have that uh, have the forced fumble, which is kind of a sack. So in a way, it's eight. But Michael Barrett, Mike Sainris, still R.J. Moten, Chris Jenkins, and Ayabi Anoma all each had their own sacks. Jalen Harrell, Rod Moore, Mozzie Smith, and Mason Graham all combined for the uh, the other two. So. That's impressive, man. That is impressive. Junior Colson with 10 tackles leading the team exactly what you expected. Rod Moore answering that question from the uh from the mailbag of who's going to have that first turnover, Rod Moore, first uh first turnover resulting in a touchdown goes to DJ Turner. The speed, the team speed was phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball. It is what I kind of expected in the sense that you saw these guys just playing fast. And you know what? It's going to get even better because Nakai Hill Green wasn't even out there. But, I mean, Junior Colson and Michael Barrett combined for 16 tackles. Barrett was really good in this game as well. Uh, I thought the safeties played well. And when you consider this is... A lot of these players came from a pretty good Nevada team last year. Like, Torrey Horton... Had more receiving yards last year than any Michigan player did. And I know you're going up against a, a first-time quarterback, but I thought the I don't think that Clay Millen played bad either. Like a lot of times he'd step up in the pocket, it's just would, the offensive line would fail him. Maybe his offensive line uh, isn't very good, but I like to believe based off of the speed, the moves that were made, that it was a lot to do with Michigan. So. We'll obviously see, probably not this week, <laughs> I would imagine, okay, they got seven sacks in this game. What are they going to get against Hawaii, man? Hawaii is bad, and it should feel bad. It is a really bad Hawaii team. So, uh, I have to see. Sacks allowed so far this season. Um, Hawaii is 120th. They've allowed five in two games. So it's not the worst out there. I mean, Colorado State's 125th based off of the seven, but Hawaii might be in some trouble if they're as bad as they've looked. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys continue to get after it. My only real concern was there were times where Michigan would vacate an area of the field, and that's when like Clay Millen would take off or someone would go down in the flat and he'd be able to hit them and they'd go for a big gain. It, the guys still swarm to the ball, but they you know they they would get to, to a first down or whatever. 
But defensively, I mean, this was just a clinic. This is 2016 into 2017 all over again, which is exactly what we've been talking about on the show for a while, of what I kind of anticipated, but it was even better. How cool was it seeing Ayabi and Oma go out there and get that, uh, you get a sack on his literal first play as a Wolverine? It's Mike Morris. I didn't even mention Mike Morris. He was so good as well. I mean, you could just name off a bunch of names. Mike, Mike Morris, Braden McGregor, Mason Graham, Derek Moore, all these guys looked really, really good. Michigan had certainly the by committee look that I expected, but like Mike Morris was really involved in, in so much. I can see why people said that he could be that Aiden Hutchinson type guy. I'm looking forward to talking to Anthony Treese to see what he had to say. Michigan's ranked number two in the country defensively, according to Pro Football Focus. So certainly it went really well. Again, people are going to sit there and say it's Colorado State. Yeah, maybe so. But I thought that this had the potential, like kind of going into this game, that Colorado State was going to have some firepower. I thought they were going to score a couple touchdowns. I thought it was going to be maybe closer to that Middle Tennessee game in 2019 than uh 2016, 2017 type games defensively. And because I kind of talked myself out of it and then we see it in action and it's like, oh, it's really good. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. I'm not going to talk special teams because we don't really need to. It's as solid as you can imagine. Although I do want to give a shout out to Iman Dennis, who really was phenomenal out there, really get involved. If you haven't tried Bill Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Bill has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made of collagen with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. It provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. That's Built.com. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your next order of Built Bar. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Anyone who has listened to or watched this uh, this show for any time, I can tell you how much I love Built Bar. They just get better and better. It tastes better than the candy bar is accurate. 
And I'll eat two at a time because I'm indulgent, but they're that good. Um, This isn't a sponsorship thing. They have sponsored the show, but I want to... I, I didn't want to say this on Twitter in case they're trying to keep it under apps, but Homefield has a new Michigan shirt coming out. You'll see it here on this program. I don't know if it's the day it comes out. I don't know if they're shipping it and it's coming arriving then or whatever, but I've seen it. I've seen what it looks like and it's really cool and you're going to want to be, you're going to want to get it. I'm telling you that. All right, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. It's, um, is it weird that I'm a little disappointed? Of course, seven points were scored by the defense. Three field goals. That's the good of the special teams, but bad for the offense. Uh, this is what I expected as well. We talked about this last week. I think even before last week. Don't expect the offense to come out and look like end of season Ohio State. Most years, right? Don't expect it to just be incredible. It was going to look the way it looked. Uh, still some things I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more explosiveness in the run game. I thought it was good. I still, I, I thought that maybe it would be a little bit better. But obviously we want to see more explosiveness in the pass game. I mean, the run game got its 200-something yards, which is what I predicted. But I predicted the pass game would have like 315 yards. I think I said 315 and 215 total for both. And what did they finish with? Michigan had 234, so they ex technically exceeded what I wanted there. The average 5.8 yards per rush, that's great. Pass game, though, 206 yards. Not at all what you were hoping for, and obviously that the brunt of that falls on the guy who had the ball in his hands more than anybody, and that's Cade McNamara. So that is not ideal. Cade McNamara was 9 for 18, 136 yards. The 61-yard catch and run by Roman Wilson, which, by the way, should have been called back. I have a picture of him stepping out of bounds, but that is what it is. Uh, break that Michigan got there, but he, um, I mean, that was all Roman. It was just a quick screen that Roman took the distance. But uh, if you're Cade McNamara and you're trying to prove that everything that you've been saying for a while, I am the leader of this offense. I am the best chance that Michigan has to win. He didn't say that. I'm just saying that. Um, if you're supposed to be that guy, you need to look a little bit more polished. You need to be able to throw the ball deeper than seven or eight yards at a time. It, I can see where fans are really frustrated because you turn on Florida State LSU last night and you're seeing these guys. I mean, Jaden Daniels, of course, we've seen and heard of, but like I, I had never really seen who's the Florida State quarterback. I can't remember his name right now. Travis, something Travis. He, um, He's just throwing the ball downfield, right? He's making all these big plays, these big throws. And if you want to be a, I mean, it just looks effortless. And just watching even highlights of, and I know those are highlights, but watching highlights of ACC teams, you're seeing these guys throw all over the field. And Cade McNamara, you can't even really say he was being anything more than a game manager, if that, in this game. Now, not everything was his fault. I know a lot of people out there will sit there and say, you know, every throw is errant because you can't give him credit for anything. 
His first three th throws or whatever that were incompletions were catchable balls. The first one to Cornelius Johnson hit him right in the chest. Bounced off. Like, it doesn't get any easier or better than that. So Cade, Cade did okay with some of those. But just did not seem like he was really in control of the offense. Didn't feel like it was, had a mastery of it, right? And... I'm not sure that he was put in the best position to succeed, but I also don't think he did himself any favors. If you've listened to or watched this show for any period of time, you know that I have been a big Cade McNamara supporter, but this, to me, was a catastrophic start for him. I left that game, and I turned to Trent when we were walking back to my apartment, and I said, I, I think that's it. I think JJ's got the job at this point. Because... When J.J. came in, and I know he wasn't in for that long, but four for four for 30 yards passing. I mean, that's not nothing electric, but that's something. And 50 yards rushing. I mean, he, the offense just looked different. It looked better. It looked more like what you would hope. We'll, we'll finally get a very big sample size, albeit against one of the worst defenses in the country. Actually, where, where do they stand? I want to know where does Colorado State, not Colorado State, but Hawaii stand overall at this point this year. 116th. They're allowing 506.5 yards per game. Gave up 601 to Vanderbilt and 412 to Western Kentucky. So, Hawaii... You better score up there. They're getting the yard, yardage-wise up there with the Vanderbilt, right? Because you're Michigan. You're better than Vanderbilt. But it's one of those things where I just feel like... I don't think that J.J. necessarily earned the job, of course. But I think Cade went a long way towards losing it. Because he just felt very limited. And I think he's got several extra gears more than that. But unfortunately, we didn't see it in the game. And, you know, my intel, which was credible intel, was that in fall camp, he looked great. Like, I mean, and then you add what Dave Revson said, like the ball didn't touch the ground when Cade was in there. There was a huge disconnect from everything I heard about Cade McNamara coming out of camp and what he looked like in the game against the defense, which certainly is not on the level of Michigan. Cade should have been able to go out there and made Colorado State look like one of the worst defenses in the country. And statistically, I mean, they're 94th, having given up 440 yards, but they should have been way down there, right? It should have looked like Georgia versus Oregon, if you have any aspirations to be the offense, to be whatever. Oregon's 127th in the country with 571 yards surrendered to Georgia. Colorado State is not as good of a team as Oregon, and Michigan should have at least made it look somewhere on that level. And it didn't. So, receivers is kind of an inconclusive situation there. There was no one that was, aside from Rowan Wilson, I thought A.J. Henning had a couple good good plays. I mean, there was nothing really to write home about receiving-wise. Um, I mean, Roman obviously led the team. Three catches for 65 yards. Eric All had two catches for 22 at the tight end position, Cornelius Johnson had two catches out of six targets. 
I say Roman Wilson had two two catches. This is the targets. They actually include the target numbers in the stats now. But uh, Cornelius Johnson targeted six times, two catches. Not ideal. So you'd, you'd like to see some of this get better. You'd like to see, I mean, see it get a lot better. Next week is the perfect opportunity for it. The run game was fine. CJ Stokes looked really good. I thought, surprised that we saw only one uh, one carry for Tavier Dunlap. That was it. But CJ Stokes averaging 5.8 yards per carry, six carries for 35 yards. Diamond Edwards, 5.3 yards per carry. Blake Corum, 5.8 yards per carry. I mean, it's all fine. I'd like to see more explosiveness there. Didn't expect it to look incredible right out of the gates. It is new offensive coordinator situation. Obviously, there's some unrest when it comes to the quarterback situation as well. I thought the offense was okay. They did they did what they needed to do against the opponent that they did it against. I would have liked to have seen it look a little bit better. So that's where I stand with that. But this is next week. If it doesn't look at least like what we saw against Northern Illinois last week, or last year rather, then readjust the cat you know, recalibrate the expectations of the offense. But there's no excuse for it to not be really, really good. Cade, just unfortunately, against the lesser opponent, did not make it look really, really good, which is part of his job. So, disappointed in that. Y'all know that I have been very much a Cade defender. Not everything was his fault on Saturday, but it was still a catastrophic start nonetheless. All right, let's get into Ohio State-Notre Dame. I watched that game. Not super closely the entire game, but for parts... Definitely think it's worth talking about. So let's do that here momentarily. All right, let's continue on. One more segment. Discuss uh, Ohio State 21 to 10 win over Notre Dame. I find it really funny, kind of what the. Uh, the narratives coming out of that game compared to what they were going in. You know, I love to rip Barrett Silly and Tom Luganville. And I, they are the most react. I love that show. I think it's very entertaining on SiriusXM on Sunday mornings during the season. They are the most reactionary people out there. <laughs> it's They're talking about this game like, oh. Ohio State's just so good, and you can see it even more than we could have ever dreamed. So good. They told, it's like they're, they're basically saying they showed you you don't need to have a huge offense to win. Okay, yeah, maybe in that specific game, but if you want to talk about underwhelming, Ohio State's offense was extremely underwhelming. CJ Stroud, 24 for 34, 223 yards, two touchdowns, average 6.6 yards per attempt. 172 yards on the ground, pretty good for for the the Buckeyes' uh, run game. Emeka Ibuka looked pretty good at receiver. The others were just kind of whatever. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba got injured early. But with this discussion of how good this receiving core is, if you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's no excuse for it to just be anemic. Now, I think Notre Dame's defense is probably pretty good. And I thought Ohio State's defense looked pretty good. But I thought it was against an offense that probably is not very good. 
for all of this talk about how great Notre Dame is and in their schedule, they might look really great, but a first time starting quarterback with Michael Mayer at tight end and who else? The run game was bad, which I think was somewhat expected. Um, I don't know why they didn't run it more with Chris Tyree, who was averaging almost five yards a carry. Um, Receiving-wise, Michael Mayer is it. And that's kind of what it was. So, yeah, Ohio State's defense looked pretty good against a team that maybe flat-out sucks offensively. Um... I will give credit to Ohio State's defensive line. It did get a lot more push, particularly in the second half. But Ohio State did win the game after being down 10-7 to at the half. And they didn't allow, the defense didn't allow Notre Dame to score again. While they themselves scored 14 points. But I was not impressed. I know a lot, a lot of people out there are like looking at it as number two versus number five. It was a close game, therefore it was thrilling. To me, it just looked like two kind of evenly matched mediocre teams doing their thing. With both offenses more so struggling than the defenses particularly doing much. You contrast that with like... I mean, in a way, it wasn't any more different. It just was less exciting than Florida State LSU, which had a lot of questionable decisions and bad special teams play and all these other things. But I just, I wasn't that impressed with Ohio State. Ohio State tends to be unimpressive in week one. I think if they would have played any other like top team that had a little bit more establishment to it, it probably would have gone differently. Like if Michigan would have played Ohio State, this past week, I think Michigan probably would have won. But that's not how it works. But that's how a lot of times that's usually the case against Ohio State. Ohio State gets a heck of a lot better as it goes through the season almost every year. Whereas Michigan kind of has tended to seem the same except for last year. So, I don't know. I'm curious to what you guys think. I'm not saying that Ohio State won't rattle off an 11-12 win season because that very well could be the case. But when it comes to... And Michigan certainly isn't in this in this position at this point, at least. I mean, when it comes to Georgia, Alabama, I mean, Georgia was really impressive against Oregon. I turned that game... We got, we got back, turned that game on, watched about five minutes of it and said, okay, what else? Because Georgia is crushing Oregon. Georgia looked Im- super impressive. Georgia looked like we are ready to repeat. That's what they looked like. You know how much it kills me to give credit to Georgia, but that's what they look like. Ohio State wasn't in that category at all. Like, that, that is not the number two team in the country, at least not right now. So, tougher opponent, of course, than what Michigan played. Michigan's not going to get a tough opponent until Iowa, which will be a struggle for the Michigan offense, potentially. Certainly not for the defense from what we saw from Iowa. Wow. That was bad. But nonetheless, I just wasn't impressed. And there's a lot of fawning over Ohio State. That's the type of thing that always happens when you have that name brand recognition and you have consistency. Michigan doesn't have that consistency yet. If Michigan can get back to the playoff, maybe win 
win a game, win it all, then th- that narrative will start changing. Maybe for Michigan, probably not. But college football is weird, man. I don't know a lot of people that went into the, to the game on Sunday night thinking that LSU was going to lose to Florida State. I certainly didn't think Florida State was going to win. That's who I wanted to win, and they did. Controlled most of the game. That's the thing about being reactionary in college football. Things will change on a dime. And it's like what I said to Mike Golick last week on the show. A couple weeks we can be having, we'll be having completely different conversations. Teams we thought were really good aren't, and teams that we had no idea were going to be good at all will be. That's just how it works. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Tuesday. Not 100% sure what we're going to do. We don't have our schedules completely set yet. I don't know if we're going to, what day we're going to have our regular pro football focus deal. Uh, only thing that we know right now is Monday's uh, recap, Thursday's mailbag, Friday preview. So that'll, that'll be that. All right. Well, thank you for watching and or listening. We will talk to you again on Tuesday. Peace.